Welcome to News Kids. I'm Rose and I'm Zara and together we're presenting this weekly podcast about what's going on in our world today. Each week we cover top stories across world news, politics, science, technology, entertainment and arts. This week we're talking about Brexit protests and the UK Prime Minister, the Eiffel Tower's birthday, why clocks change, William Shakespeare Week and about the history of technology as the first colour TV went on sale to the public 65 years ago this week. Zara and I also talk about how we use technology at home and why our parents won't let us have our own phones. Hi, it's Rose here. 65 years ago, the first colour TV went on sale in America for the general public, which meant that for the first time, anyone was able to buy one. Up until this point, all television had been black and white. The first person to demonstrate that colour TV was possible was a Scottish inventor called John Logie Baird who made the world's first colour transmission in 1928. But it took many years of developing the technology before TV sets were available to buy. The first colour TV set, 65 years ago, was designed by an American company called RCA. It was very small and it cost $1,000 to buy. So in reality, it was too expensive for most people to be able to buy one. At the time, less than half of the houses in America had TVs and there were hardly any programs to watch that were in colour. Now, almost all homes in the developed world have a TV set. I love TV, do you? I can't imagine watching TV in black and white. That must be so weird. It's weird too to think that most of the technology we use now didn't exist when my grandparents were young. They mostly listened to the radio. Nowadays I use technology every day, even at school. We learn how to use the iPad. I have a Fitbit which tells me if I'm doing enough steps to keep fit. I don't have a smartphone, though some of my friends do already. Last year, a survey showed that a quarter of children under the age of six already owned a smartphone. That is crazy. My mum wouldn't let me have one. Do you have a smartphone? At what age do you think children should be allowed to have their own phone? Sarah? do you think and do you have one i do not have a smartphone but i think that you should get a smartphone at the age of 14 years old i think that's a good suggestion because if you have it by the age of 14 you'll be first trained how to use technology for appropriate things and not inappropriate things if you had a smartphone what would you use it for i would use it to look up things i might use it for texting people like my mum and dad if there was an emergency also i might use it to call the police or the firemen or other people who help us
Sarah, why do you think the internet might not be safe for children? I think the internet would not be safe for children because children could go on bad websites and learn bad things. Yes. So is it that they go onto a website that's bad but they don't know it? Yes. So by the age of 14 and 18, you're both capable of knowing which is bad, which is good. Why else do you think a smartphone might be bad for young children? Because children could just keep on bending all their time on the phone and not actually doing their work or going to school or getting to class early and all those kind of things. What do you think teachers will say if their students were on the phone in class? I think they would say that you should stop doing your phone and they might confiscate it and give it back at the end of the day. I think mummies and daddies, when they're using their phones and the children are trying to talk to them, it's like the adults are ignoring them. I think it would be a good idea if parents should stop using their phone at certain times, like at the dinner table or at a restaurant. That is time for families to talk, not for parents to go on their phone and text or read the news. Here's James talking about Apple TV. Technology company Apple announced some new areas of its business. The company which bought us the iPhone and the iPad wants to become a one-stop shop for entertainment. It wants people to play, read, watch and pay through Apple. Famous actors helped Apple launch a key part of its new plans called Apple TV. Plus, this will be a rival to Netflix, but this could be a hard competition to win because Netflix will soon have 150 million subscribers and Apple have not said yet how much their service will cost. Hasn't TV changed a lot since the first colour TV was launched? And now here's Nasaba talking about Brexit and the UK Prime Minister Theresa May. On Saturday, March 23rd at 1pm, hundreds and thousands of people came to Hyde Park, Central London, calling for another EU referendum. Protesters carrying EU flags and posters calling for any Brexit deal to be put to another public vote. Meanwhile, record-breaking 4 million signatures have been signed on an online petition at a Parliament website. It is asking for Brexit to be cancelled by revoking Article 50. This coupled with the mass protest means the people of Britain want a chance to have another vote and not leave the EU. Theresa May is still hoping that MPs will support her in presenting a deal again. Unfortunately, it seems Theresa May doesn't have much support. But whatever happens, a decision has to be made one way or another. So what do you think might happen? Here's a list of a few possible scenarios that might still happen in the next few weeks. Number one, Article 50 could be revoked. Number two, a second Brexit referendum could happen. Number three, maybe MPs will still buy Theresa May's original agreement. Or number four, perhaps there'll be a no-deal Brexit. It seems that time is running out for Theresa May. A decision has to be made by April 12, 2019. I really think this important decision should call for a longer extension so that we have the time for a sufficient discussion to take place in order to make the best decision for Britain. Thank you for listening to Need Kids. See you next week. Here's 
Sarah talking about why clocks change. On Sunday, the 31st of March, every year the clocks go forward by one hour and so everyone in Britain loses an hour of sleep. When the clocks go forward, that is the start of British summertime and we move from Greenwich Mean Time, GMT, to British Summertime, which is also known as Daylight Saving Time or GMT plus one. In 1784, an American politician and inventor called Benjamin Franklin suggested that if people got up earlier, when it was lighter, it would save on candles. This idea was brought to the UK by a builder called William Willett, who in 1907 proposed that the clocks should go forward in spring and go back in winter so that people could save energy and spend more time outdoors during the day. British summertime was actually introduced after William Willett's death as part of the Summertime Act 1916. An act is a law in the UK. Now the UK's clocks always go back one hour on the last Sunday in October and forward by one hour on the last Sunday in March. People have different opinions about whether or not we should move clocks forward in this way and whether the UK should just have British summertime all year round. Some people are in favour of British summertime because it saves energy as we can make better use of natural daylight and it helps reduce traffic accidents by having lighter of evenings. Others are against it saying it makes it darker when children are going to school in the morning. Most countries in Europe move their clocks forward an hour for summer other than Russia, Iceland, Georgia, Armenia and Belarus. And now here's Isabella talking about the Eiffel Tower's birthday and other tall buildings in the world. Hi, I'm Isabella. This week I'm going to be talking to you about the Eiffel Tower because it is celebrating its 130th birthday. So I'm taking a look at this famous tall structure and even taller buildings around the world. The Eiffel Tower is in Paris, the capital of France. It took three years to build and when it was finished in 1889, it measured 312 metres. At that time, it was the tallest building in the world and it held this record for over 40 years. In recent years, it has actually grown a bit because they have added some radio antennae on the top. It now measured 324 metres high. It was built as an entrance arch to the World Fair being held in Paris in 1889. It is named after the man who built it, Gustave Eiffel. Some other interesting facts about the Eiffel Tower. The first leak, it took 2 million man hours to 
to build. Secondly, it weighs as much as 100,000 elephants. Finally, it actually shrinks by 15 centimetres in cold weather. There are 1,665 steps from the ground to the top. That is a lot of steps. If I had to walk them, my legs would nearly fall off. But it's no longer the tallest building in the world. So what is the tallest building? The record is held by its Burj Khalifa in Dubai. It is an amazing 828 metres tall and was finished in January 2010. The second tallest building is in Japan and it is called the Tokyo Sky Tree. This is 634 metres tall. Here in the UK, our tallest building is called Shard. It was finished seven years ago and is just under 310 metres tall. What's the tallest building in your country? Have you visited it? Hi, it's Rose here. Last week in England was Shakespeare week. Have you ever heard of William Shakespeare? He lived more than 400 years ago and became very, very famous for writing plays and poems. Nobody knows when exactly he was born, but he was baptised on 26th April 1564 in Stratford-upon-Avon in England. He wrote more than 150 poems and 40 plays. Shakespeare's poems are called sonnets, which means little song in poetry. A sonnet is a particular type of poem that is 14 lines long, and each line has 10 syllables. One of Shakespeare's most famous sonnets starts like this. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day, though art more lovely and more temperate? Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May, and summer's lease hath all too short a date. It sounds different, doesn't it? The English language has changed over time and they spoke differently when Shakespeare lived in the 16th century. But you can still understand the words and what Shakespeare means if you look very closely. It's fun trying to work it out, like solving a mystery. Shakespeare had a huge impact on the language we speak today. He used lots of idioms, which means a phrase that means something different from its actual meaning. It's a bit confusing to explain. Like, if you've been ever in a pickle, or you've barked up the wrong tree, or gone on a wild goose chase. These are all idioms from Shakespeare's plays that people use all the time in their speech today. Shakespeare's plays were really popular when performed when Shakespeare was alive and they are still popular today. Some of the plays are funny with lots of silly characters doing silly things and some are sad when people die. In school this week we talked about the stories of Romeo and Juliet and A Midsummer's Night's Dream. Did you talk about Shakespeare in school this week? I'd like to see some of his plays in the theatre one day. Zara, have you seen or read any Shakespeare plays? I read a shortened version of Othello. In the story, Othello, who is a black dinsman, married a girl called Desdemona, who was a white-skinned girl. And so basically, there are two men, 
called Iago and Rodrigo. Rodrigo wanted to marry Desdemona and didn't want Othello to marry Desdemona. And Iago wanted to take Othello's place as a lieutenant. So then Iago told Othello about how Desdemona betrayed him. So he killed Desdemona. And then Iago's wife told Othello that it was a lie. So he killed himself. And it ended up to be a very sad story. They are lovely plays and lovely poems. But sometimes I just can't understand what some of the words mean that he writes. I know, but it's still beautiful poems, so... Yeah, that's why I didn't say thumbs down. I would have said a thumbs up, but it's just really, really hard to understand some yes. of the words. Hello, this is Zara. Earth Hour is an annual event organised by the World Wildlife Fund, which aims to make people aware of the way we create and use energy. Everyone is encouraged to turn off non-essential lights for one hour as a symbol of their commitment to the planet. Earth Hour was started as a Lights Off event in Sydney, Australia in 2007. Now, more than 7,000 cities and towns in 187 countries take part. This year, Earth Hour is on 30th of March and people around the world will be turning off their lights for an hour from 8.30pm to 9.30pm. Everyone can take part and some of the world's biggest landmarks, including the Sydney Opera House, the Eiffel Tower, Buckingham Palace and Edinburgh Castle will switch off their lights. That's all for this week. I really hope you enjoyed our show. Let me know what you think about our news stories. Goodbye from the news kids.